conclude our thoughts this morning on the subject of sonship and discipleship. If you recall, the last few weeks we've been speaking about the difference between just being a basic child of God, born again of the Spirit, saved by grace, sins paid for on the cross, and the Father having known that child before the foundation of the world, written their names in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's a difference between just being a child of God and being a disciple of Christ, being a disciple of God. And we've been pointing out that difference now through the Scripture for several weeks, and we hope to conclude our message, our message on this, as I said. But let's do a brief recap and remember this so we keep this in perspective. The, the difference between being a son of God, a child of God, and being a disciple of God is very important to understand. It, it helps us unlock a great understanding of, of Scripture and the Word of God because we need to ask the question, are we talking about being a disciple or are we talking about how we become a son of God, a child of God, a daughter of God, if you will. Uh, also, keep in mind that when you read about us becoming children of God, there is never, never a condition placed upon the child of God. Now, that's important to understand. There is no condition in the Word of God that says, this is what you do to become God's child. There's many statements in the Word of God about how we do become God's child, but there's never a condition imposed upon the person to say, okay, if you will do this, now then you will be a child of God. That's that's astonishing for a lot of people now. But that's what the Scripture teaches. And we went over several of those verses of Scripture. It says, John 1 and 12, as many as received him, to them he gave he the power to become the sons of God. Somebody says, wasn't that an offer? No, that's not an offer. It's a declaration. It says those that received him, those received power. And they became children of God, and they were born again, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Well, how? But of God. Same thing that Jesus says in John, the third chapter. Somebody says, well, that's a real condition, isn't it? Except a man be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of, of God. Don't you have to do that? That has to occur, but it's not something that you do. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said, Scratched his head and said, how is this going to happen? How can I re-enter into my mother's womb and be born into this world again? You see, Nicodemus had an understanding that that was impossible. It was impossible to be for one to born themselves again. This is how you become a child of God. You must be born again. He, Jesus said, marvel not at this, that I said unto thee, verse 7, John 3, you must be born again. He says, this is not something that you do. This is something that God does. And it is as simple to understand as the way that the wind blows. He says the wind blows where it listeth. Do you hear the sound thereof? You can't tell where it comes. You don't know where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. And it is just like Nic Nicodemus did get this much. Now, we have to give Nicodemus a little credit because he understood that to be born, for somebody to be born, it does not take an act of their own. We don't decide one day, well, I think I'll be born into this world. And we don't decide one day, well, I think I'll be born again and become God's child. That's the work of God. That's sonship. It says over, as we've already covered, it says over in Galatians 4 and 6, in reference to becoming a child of, of God, very important that we understand what he says there. As we've already covered this, but I'll mention it again. He says, because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It doesn't say, so that you may become a son. God has sent forth the spirit of his son. He says, you're already a son. How are we sons? Sons by election. Sons by the choosing of the father. 
children of God before the foundation of the world, as we read in the book of Ephesians, those that he hath chosen and foreknown before the foundation of the world. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children. You see there? He's talking about becoming a child of God. You had to be chosen by God. Your destination set before the world was formed to the to be an adopted child of God. So why do I have to be adopted? Why can't I just be a natural child? Well, that's an easy answer because the Lord says that in Adam we have fallen. We are Adam's offspring. We're Adam's children. We're Adam's descendants. And Adam's descendants can't be natural children of God. You have to be adopted. Adam severed our relationship with God, and therefore we have to be adopted we have to be adopted children back into the fold or to the family of God. So that's where God chose his people. That's where sonship comes in. We spent a lot of time, the first message we brought on this, talking about that. You become a son of God, a child of God, by God's work, by his choosing, by Jesus dying for you on the cross, and by the application of the Spirit of God to the heart of the child of God in the new birth. Now, discipleship is a whole different subject. It is for the born-again child of God, and it's, there are many conditions on discipleship. I want you to understand they're not conditions that are impossible to keep, but there are conditions on discipleship. We've been talking about those for the last couple of weeks. Everywhere Jesus is talking about you and me doing something, he's talking about discipleship. Everywhere he's talking about how we are children, how we come into the family, He's talking about sonship. It's very simple. If we can see this distinction, it's incredibly helpful. We've been talking about Luke 14, where he says in verse 25, when the great multitudes were following him, he tells them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my child. No, he doesn't say that, does he? He says he cannot be what? My disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my child. Is that what he says? It doesn't say that, does it? No. It says cannot be my disciple. Verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, well, too bad. You're going to perish in hell. You cannot be my child. Is that what it says? It doesn't say that, does it? He cannot be my disciple. Only a born-again child of God can be the disciple of the Lord. And last week we finished up talking about bearing our cross. Verse 27, whosoever that does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. The next thing we consider today, verse 33, he says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Let's see what the context of what he's saying is. He finishes telling us in verse 27 about bearing our cross. There's an element of shame to bearing our cross. There's an element of understanding that we have a cross, that we have sins that beset us, and that we need to continue to bear the shame of that and fight that, put it away. And he says in verse 28, For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and count the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. If we intend to build something, we need to count the cost so before you begin this path of discipleship, is what he's saying, you're a born-again child of God, a child of grace, an heir of promise, an adopted child of God, born again by the Spirit. Count the cost of what you're getting into. He says you need to sit down and count the cost. He's already named off some of the costs. He says, first of all, 
You need to love Jesus Christ. He says, love me more than you love your own father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. He says, recognize you've got a cross to bear. If you don't recognize that, that you're going to be bearing a cross for the rest of your life, bearing your crosses even, then you can't be my disciple. Count the cost of this. It's just like somebody sitting down to build, and they don't count the cost, and they look foolish, and others mock them. And they say, ah, that person wasn't able to finish it. Yeah, he started off good, but he faded away. Or what king, verse 31, going to make war against another king, sitteth not down first and consults whether he be able to, with 10,000, to meet one that comes after him with 20,000? Or else while the other is a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage or a delegation and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He says, you need to think of yourself as a king. And the Lord says, we're kings and priests. And you've got a warfare that you're about to engage. Notice the things he compares discipleship to. Verse 28, he compares it to building something, building a tower. Verse 31, he compares it to warfare, warring against the kingdom of Satan that is on this earth. He says you better count the cost and count what it's going to take to fight this battle if you want to be my disciple. And it's going to require you to forsake all that you have. It doesn't mean that you got to go around the world being a pauper. You know, Abraham wasn't a pauper. He was a rich man. It doesn't mean you got to give up everything you have, but it means you need to be willing to put the Lord first in everything that you have. And that's a tall order, especially in our society today where we have so much, so so many blessings, so many blessings that can instantly overnight turn into curses because we have so much and we can get so much. We can accumulate so much and we can go after so much and we can. There's so many things we can get into in, in our nation in our lifestyle because of our society, because of the blessings that we have of prosperity. And sometimes prosperity is our worst persecutor. He says, you need to understand and count the cost of this and understand you're waging warfare. If you want to be my disciple, this is not about being a child of God. You're already his child. Sons by election, sons by grace, sons by the sacrifice of Christ, sons by the application of the Holy Spirit. But you are as a child of God must count the cost of discipleship. The cost of your becoming a son was a higher cost than anyone could ever pay. It was paid by Jesus Christ. The cost of your discipleship is nowhere near that kind of a cost, but it is a cost, and we must count it. Turn to John 8, the 8th chapter. John 8, in a similar situation, Jesus, over there in Luke 14, was being followed by multitudes. And those multitudes, he turned to them and said, If you want to really be my disciple, to these hundreds and maybe thousands of people that were following him, he says, if you want to be my disciple, here's the key. And he lays out those things there. Now, in John 8, it's a similar situation. He's talking to a large crowd of people. I don't know, 500, 1,000. I don't know how many it was, but it was a large crowd of people. Some among, some among those people were his children. Some among those people were not. Some among those people were believers, and some were not. Some were his children. Some were not. And it says, he spake these words, John 8 and verse 30, he spake these words, many believed on him. He had some children of God among this crowd, and he said to those Jews which believed on him. He spoke to the believers. He spoke to the ones who had received his spirit that had been born again. You see that? You know, they didn't say, well, I think I want to be born again. No, they were already born again. That's how they believed. They didn't believe to become born again. They believed because they were born again. An infant doesn't cry out when they come into the world in order to become an infant. An infant cries out because he's been born into the world. So these believers are believing because they've been born again. Jesus speaks directly to them. And he says, if ye continue in my word, then you will be my children. That's not what he says, is it? Don't let that trip you up. 
Don't let that trip us up. He says, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. You see how clear that is? Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. He wasn't speaking to these people and saying, hey, you want to become my child? He says, if you want to be my disciple, here's what you do. What did he say to do? Continue in my word. Oh, child of God, this is so important. Oh, it's important to prioritize Jesus over father, mother, sister, brother, children, our own lives. It's important to bear our cross. It's important to do to forsake all that we have to follow him. And it's important in order to do that, to facilitate those things, we must continue in his word. Continue just means to stay in it. It just means to stay after it. It means to get in the word of God every day. In the book of Acts, it says that the people in Berea were no, more noble than people elsewhere. Why? Because they searched the scriptures occasionally, once a month, every now and then, or just when the preacher stood in the pulpit. No, he said daily. They searched the scriptures daily, whether or not the things they were hearing were so. Oh, child of God, I encourage you. When you hear the preacher preach, when you hear me preach, when you hear preachers say the things that they say, don't just take what I say. But take what I say to the Word of God and compare it to the Word of God. See what the Word of God says and rejoice if it's the truth. And if it's not the truth, then don't have it. There's a nobility in that. God says you are noble when you stay in His Word. And Jesus says you'll be my disciple if you'll continue in the Word. And not only that, He said you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It doesn't say the truth will set you free. It says the truth will make you free. You see? You say, well, what's the difference? Well, think about it. This has to do with a personal experience. In the Civil War, when Abraham Lincoln did the Emancipation Proclamation, he set the slaves free. He set them all free. But the reality of being made free did not come to many of those slaves till years down the road. As a matter of fact, I read an account years ago, and I can't remember the exact details of it, but there was an escaped group of slaves that lived way out west and for several years down the road, they had not heard, even after the Civil War was over, after they had been set free by the Emancipation Proclamation, they had had no idea the war was even over. And they were living out there under bondage and under fear. The, not They weren't slaves, but they were living under the fear, the, the bondage of the mind, and thinking, well, we're still slaves. But when the knowledge came to them that they had been set free years before in their minds, guess what? The truth made them free in their minds. So that's what he's talking about there. It doesn't set you free. Jesus Christ set you free on the cross. The Lord, before the foundation of the world, set you free by writing your name in the Lamb's book of life. The Spirit of God makes the application of himself to the child of God in the new birth and makes them free. But the knowledge of what has happened when we continue in the Word of God and become disciples of Christ, it sets us free. Isn't that a glorious thing? So now, in these closing couple minutes, what does this verse of Scripture mean to us now that we understand there's a difference between discipleship and sonship, being a child of God and being a follower of Christ as a child of God? Matthew 11 and 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that, a is that a text that Jesus said, this is how you become a child of God? Absolutely not. The child of God is the only one who is heavy laden and burdened. A wicked sinner dead in his sins doesn't care. He doesn't have any burdens. As the psalmist wrote over there in Psalms 73, it's, it's easy to become jealous of those wicked, unburdened sinners because they just seem like they go on with no consequences. But the, the writer there said, when I came to the house of the Lord, I understood their end. You see, he was burdened by that. This is for the disciple of Christ, the burdened sinner. Come unto me, 
All ye that labor and are heavy laden. This isn't a way to become a child of God. This is a way to follow the Lord and please him in this life. <laughs> one more. What about this one? Very famous verse of scripture. Romans 10 and verse 9. Very famous verse of scripture. People, many people say this is the Roman road to salvation. I, I beg to differ. Romans 8 and verse 29 and 30 is the Roman road to salvation where the Lord predestinated, where he foreknew, where he justified, where he will glorify one day, where he called. That's the road to salvation in heaven and eternal salvation. This right here is the road to timely salvation. This is the road to discipleship. Watch Romans 10 and 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. He said, well, that's the way you become a child of God. No. He says, Paul says in verse 8, the word is nigh thee, even in your mouth. It's in your heart. It's already there. He's not trying to get in there. It's already there. Just let it come out. Just confess it. By the way, Paul is not talking to dead, alienated sinners. He's talking about his own brethren among the Jewish people, among the Israelites, who were who were ignoring the fact that Jesus had purchased their salvation. They would not follow Jesus in discipleship. They said, well, we got to do it ourselves. we got to establish our own righteousness. Paul said, quit ignoring that. He's already in your heart. If you feel the burden of your sin and you feel that the Lord has touched you, it was Jesus Christ that touched you. He's in your heart. My, by the way, Paul speaks of that in Colossians, the first chapter, where he says that the mystery that was hidden from ages and from generations was Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, that's discipleship. It's already in your heart. Confess it. Follow him. Follow him in discipleship. I hope that we can see how the Lord has a very Simple message and a simple understanding for us in his word. We are saved. We are born again. We are sons of God. We're children of God by the work of God alone. As children of God born again of the spirit, we are disciples of Christ when we forsake the things that get in our way from serving Jesus and continue in the word of God. I hope we can see this distinction and I hope it's a blessing to us. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer.